Good morning. You know why I said good morning this morning? I was trying to see if everyone loved winter as much as I do. Okay, there's the one, the one person in the crowd. Actually, I'm really excited for this afternoon. I think my kids are going to go outside and play in the snow a little bit, and uh, then it'll be gone in two days. That's the best part about snow. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, today. So today we're actually in the second week, um, if you're just joining us, of a series called The Art of Neighboring. And sometimes we hear the word neighbor and we don't really know what to do about it. And so what we're doing in this series is talking about what it means to be a neighbor and what that looks like. And some of you actually have this and you might have got it as you walked in. So I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But first we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, as, as we get into your word this morning, open our eyes, open our hearts to what you are doing in and through us, in our, in our community, with our neighbors. Help us to see ways that we can be a better neighbor, not just a better neighbor, but a neighbor that we would like to have. And allow us the opportunity this week to get to know our neighbors better, even though it's snowed, um, find a way to do that. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. So we handed this out last week, and if this is your first week with us, this is the first time you're seeing it, but you are here, and these are eight of your neighbors. How are you guys doing with the block map? I know some of you said you knew all eight of your neighbors, which I applaud that. Uh, When I first saw this, I saw this a while ago, I thought, do I know all eight of my neighbors? Well, now I do, because I've made an effort to meet some of my neighbors. Have you learned any new pieces of information this last week? A few of you came to me with new pieces of information because you took a walk in your neighborhood, and you realized, oh, I know that person, but I've never, I've just waved, I've never gotten their name, and you got their name. So most of us are probably asking a question, though, even in talking about walking around in your neighborhood, how am I going to have time for one more relationship in my life? How am I going to have time for one more relationship, let alone eight new relationships with my neighbors? <laughs> how is that going to work out? Because that doesn't make any sense. I don't know how we're going to do that. And so when we look at being a neighbor, time is the biggest obstacle we need to overcome to be an effective neighbor. So are we living at a pace that allows us to be available to those around us? Do you ever not walk outside because your neighbor's outside and you're afraid they're going to talk to you for too long? Let's just be honest. Have you ever had moments where you say, I don't have time to know my neighbor? And the reality is we're really saying this. We're saying, I don't consider getting to know my neighbor as important as everything else that I do. That's really what we're saying. It's a little bit different. So if we're going to love our neighbor, as we learned last week, um, and we're going to love God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind, we have to change pace. So I know this sounds obvious, but it's really not easy. Like, if it was easy, I wouldn't be up here talking about it. Because if it was super easy, it would just be a common sense. We would all just do it, and we don't have to worry about it. And then there's another issue with time. Technology. It's supposed to give us extra time, Right? We don't have to hand wash our dishes anymore. We put them in the dishwasher. We, we don't have to set meetings in our calendar because it's just there. We can forget about our meetings because our phone's going to alert us to when we need to go where. 
but we still cram more into our days instead of creating margin. So I'm going to give you three myths to start out today, and I'll, I'll go back to these, but three myths we believe. Someday things will settle down. They, they're going to settle down someday. It just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's got to settle down. We just need to do blank, and then we'll have time for that. You see that a lot when people are looking forward to retirement. They're like, well, when I retire, and everyone that's retired knows when I retire, you're going to be busy again. <laughs> There's something to do. The second one is more will be enough. One more purchase, or get, I will get blank, and then I'll be more content. I'll get one more thing, and then I'll be fine. But right now, there's not enough time. You know, for someone my age, it's when my kids get to a certain age, I'll have all the time in the world. Any parent knows that's not the case. They just stay until they're like 35. So, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Everybody lives like this, and the answer is no, they don't. Everybody does not live like this. Everybody doesn't live at the pace that maybe you're living at. So all of these are, are, are myths that lead to misplaced priorities. Jesus gives us a different way to live. He had time for interruptions. Do we? Do we really have time for interruptions? What would it take to change the pace of our lives to be more available to those around us? More available. Isn't it always when you go to walk out the door to work that someone stops you and your family and you're just like, I gotta go! I gotta go, I can't do anything. You know, so we're not available. There's, there's moments like that. And so Jesus here in this passage addresses our priorities. So what does Jesus have to say about our priorities? I, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. It's right after the passage um, we covered last week. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And I'm gonna read this. And many of you might have heard the story of Mary and Martha. And I, I think that there's some important things to take from this when it comes to what it means to pursue God and what it means to pursue our neighbors. So starting in verse 38, it says, Now they went on their way, and Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that you're... That my sister has left me alone to serve, or left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Anytime you say someone's name twice, that's an emphasis, right? Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Jesus enters this village after the interaction we talked about last week where he's got this interaction with a lawyer asking essentially what is he supposed to do for his neighbor? Who is his neighbor? And then Martha invites him in. She's being a good neighbor. She invites him in. She's being hospitable and neighborly. She's the one in charge though. Okay, So Martha, Martha's in charge. She owns the house. She's the older sister. And she was excited to see Jesus, so she leapt into action. She's modeling hospitality. What could be wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Romans 12, 13 says, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. She's doing this. She's modeling it. And 1 Peter 4, 10 
says, For each has a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. She was modeling the gift of hospitality to those around in her village. And, but but here's, here's what we need to remember. Even by using her gift, she missed that it was more appropriate to spend as much time with Jesus as possible. I mean, knowing what you know now, your limited knowledge, because Jesus, knowing everything about Jesus, none of us know that, but it, with your limited knowledge of Jesus, I think in that moment, I'd worry less about baking bread and more about hearing what he has to say. Because I'd be like, well, what's he going to say? I don't want to miss that. But Martha kind of has a different response. And so Mary has the opposite response of Martha. We see that in verse 39, where verse 39 says, And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And before you just kind of gloss over this, Mary was a very unlikely disciple. It was unheard of in that culture for a woman to sit at the teacher's feet. Remember last week we talked about the Samaritan and how much the Jews despised and, and, and hated the Samaritans. Well, here we see women are not held to the same standard as men in that culture. And so later rabbis, teachers in the Jewish culture, wrote things like this. May the words of the Torah be burned. That's the, that's the first five books of the Bible. Should they be handed over to women? Whoa, <laughs> hold up. So like if, if women touch that, then we're supposed to, that's just crazy. And then they even continue. The man who teaches his daughter the Torah teaches her extravagance, as if there's a second standard. And Jesus here, by receiving her, and you'll see later encouraging her, is actually rejecting this regressive sexism that was found in much, much of Middle Eastern culture. He was doing something radical at the time, and still radical to this day. So he firmly encouraged Mary to sit and listen to his teaching. And when she's listening, it's continual. It says, Jesus, teach, teach me. When she says that, it's not just, it's active listening. Have you ever had someone that you're talking to look like straight past you and you realize that they're staring at the football game or something? I mean, they're watching cartoons. My kids do it all the time. Just they're, they're like looking past you. They're not really looking at you. They have no idea what you're saying. That's not what Mary was doing here. Mary sat down and looked Jesus in the eyes and was listening to him. She was actively listening. And Jesus is emphasizing all this, this listening and the, the, the woman sitting down in a culture where, where women were treated little more than children. And that's a big deal, a very big deal. Jesus was actually a feminist in ways no one before him was. They, they, they weren't. He elevated the position of women in spiritual matters. And so when we get to this point, there's something that I, I want to make clear for the, the whole sermon and everything, is that our pursuit of God and our neighbors is a combination of service and reflection. You see two things going on here with Mary Martha. There's service, and there's reflection, but really it's a combination of both. So our pursuit of God and our neighbors is a combination of service and reflection. And, and Martha's watching this. Can you imagine being Martha? How many of you feel like, you know, I'm probably Martha? Anyone like Martha? Oh, I'm, I get busy when people come over. I'm like, I, I, I don't enjoy the moment as much. 
I don't, I don't sit down and marinate on things. I'm thinking about, like, what's the next thing we need to do? How do I be a good host? So Martha's watching this and doing what she does, hospitality, which she actually seems like she has a gift for. So Martha's, Martha's doing great. And then she got completely distracted from interacting with Jesus, though. Completely distracted. And it sounds like she's a bit jealous, or maybe she was judging Mary for not helping her. You ever, you ever have a situation like that at work? Well, I'm working hard. Why is that person over there doing nothing? You know, like that's, that's essentially she's distracted by this busyness and she's looking at Mary and going, wait a second, why isn't Mary helping me? Come on, what's going on here? And she allowed herself, Martha allowed herself to be pulled away by what she thought her responsibilities to host were. And the tyranny of the urgent got in Martha's way. She got so caught up and Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, which I think some of us would, and probably most of us would get excited about that. She told herself that devotion to God is only practical. She put her responsibilities first over her desire for Jesus. So Martha is angry, as many of us would be if we saw Mary sitting there. Martha gets angry at Mary doing nothing, but she's not doing nothing as we're going to see. So she says in verse 40, Martha says this, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Do you not care? Of course Jesus cares. Then she says, tell her then to help me. Okay, first, if Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus is radical, talk about Martha telling Jesus what to do. I mean, seriously, let's, let's think about this for a second. Okay, Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus is receiving her, and then Martha has the guts to say, tell her to help me. <laughs> wow. Essentially, essentially, this is how she, she says this. This is me paraphrasing. Lord, do you not know and care that, that Mary doesn't feel the need to help me? Tell her to get in here and do something about it. That's what it would sound like now. So she says this, and it's clear. Martha's priorities were off. So her self-righteousness was not just focused on Mary, but Jesus as well. And she thought she was doing what Jesus needed most and wanted. But Jesus clearly preferred her presence over her service. Sometimes we get lost in those. And so her priorities were out of balance, and she's really trying. Martha's really attempting to manipulate Mary to serve like she is. And before you write yourself off and you say, I'm not like Martha, there's no way. I, I would love to sit at the feet of Jesus, and I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't think like this. I wouldn't think that my, my brother, sister, family member, whatever, is not working. Most of us are like Martha. We think everyone should be committed in the same way we are. Have you ever noticed that? I think one of the main reasons people burn out is because we think we're more committed than someone else, and we look over and we see, oh, that person's not doing what we want them to do. So if others were good Christians, they would do the same things we're doing. They wouldn't sit on the sidelines not serving. So Martha here, her attitude is alive and well in churches today. It kills a culture of service and distracts from what Jesus has called us to actually do. It turns serving into a grind rather than a joy. 
You notice Martha wasn't very joyful. It's pretty clear from how she said things. And it, if this is, this is where we are, not just as a church, but as individuals, and we, we think more like Martha, if we're going to be a good neighbor, if we're going to seek to love God and love our neighbor as Jesus does, we need to act differently and think differently. Something that's been on my mind and my heart a lot is, is, is looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I, I shared it with a men's group a while ago, but it keeps going back to how we need to seek the good of our neighbor. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, and then also verses 31 through 33, says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And this phrase right here is so important in verse 24. It says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. That's pretty straightforward. So you get down to verse 31 through 33. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try, this is Paul talking just as I try to please every, everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they might be saved. We, as Christians, when we, when we neighbor, we need to desire to be compassionate and speak into other people's lives. We need to see this as an opportunity to take the advantage of many rather than the advantage of us. Jesus, if you see in his response to, to Martha, he does care. He really does care. He genuinely cares about the troubles of your life and anxiety. Jesus' response to Martha makes that clear. It says, when he said this, you were anxious and troubled about many things. He sympathizes with her anxiety and her troubles. It's not a question of if what Martha was doing was good. It is good, given her gift of hospitality. But it's a question of it's better or best than just good. Sometimes we do good things. We, we, we work and we, we do good things, and we wonder why there's something a little bit off, and we're not sure what that is. And it's really because God's telling us there is something better. You know, if it was best in Martha's life that day, considering Jesus was with her there. If it was helpful, was it helpful? And built up the situation? If she, it, was she seeking, if she was seeking the, the most good for her neighbor, if she was seeking the advantage of Jesus and others around her? And I can just imagine Jesus says this, and he says it in a tone of voice like this, Martha, you're just so anxious and troubled. You know, I'm not going to stop Mary from, from sitting at my feet. Why would I ever do that? It doesn't make sense. Martha, you can come here too. Hey, slow down. I don't need all the food. You know what? Someone will, someone will make something. Come and be with me. Jesus is saying to Martha and to us, I believe, that service and reflection need to be in balance. Mary was reflecting on what Jesus said. She was sitting there. She was actively listening. She was continuously listening. This principle does not just apply one way or another. It applies two different ways to our neighbor and to God. 
That's why our pursuit of God and our neighbor is a combination of service and reflection. I can't think of anyone I have ever met, including myself, that doesn't like to talk about themselves. Just throwing that out there. You just ask people about themselves. It's really, it's so simple. But you know what fights that is we want to talk about ourselves. So we're in this constant battle. And if we're seeking the advantage of many, we're going to say, okay, I'm going to ask that person about themselves. So I want to ask you this question this morning. Who do you identify with the most? Mary or Martha? Martha or Mary? That's for you to keep inside your head. Maybe you tell a family member as, as you leave. Do you lean towards doing things? Or do you lean towards only reflecting on God's word? Last week, I quoted James, James chapter 2. And I said, faith without works is dead, which is from that verse. But the opposite is also true. Faith without the word of God is also dead. You got you to have both. Because then you don't have your marching orders on what to do. So when we go to do activity, it should be bathed in prayer. And I, I suspect most of us, and, and I'm personally convicted, that we need to be a little less like Martha and a little bit more like Mary. It's a lot easier to be a Martha in our busy, fast-paced world. Martha's worry was about what others were doing, and we tend to spend too much time being critical of the spiritual walk of others and not enough time being self-critical of our own Christian walk. It's easier to point at others rather than point at ourselves. And so here's what the key is. We need to take individual responsibility for our own Christian walk. And for our community, the church, to operate in a healthy way, that's what has to happen. Both Mary and Martha had different roles in the church, but Martha wanted Mary to be like her. Do you notice that? Tell her to do what I'm doing. Because that's the best thing to do. Many times, we want others to act like us. But scripture shows us as a body. And as anyone that has a body knows, your body has many different parts that act together, that, that, that relate together. So when we don't act, think, or relate the same way, but when the Holy Spirit guides us, we are one. We're a body. Sunday mornings really should be one of the most diverse places you'll find people. I mean that in every sense possible. Diverse in how we think. Diverse, but it's all focused on Jesus. Because if we follow Jesus, we've been freed to find the infinite ways to redeem relationships. There are many ways to humble yourself and redeem relationships. And so the Holy Spirit has to guide us when we need to reflect on the word of God and then reflect by listening to our neighbors. And then also guiding us when we need to serve God and serve our neighbors. So, here's what it comes down to. Are you holding on to Jesus when you're serving God and your neighbor? Are you still reflecting on what he said in his word as you're serving? And then are you seeking that vision and purpose from God's word when you are serving? Are you seeking that? So as we pursue God and our neighbors, are we seeking the advantage of many that they might come to know and love God? So, I don't know how many of you have done this, but when you practice the art of elimination, 
and I'm, I'm not saying Marie Kondo where you like take stuff and if it doesn't bring you joy, you just throw it out. I'm not saying that, but the art of elimination. And the art of elimination is found in art. Michelangelo was given this huge stone block to create a statue. And he started chiseling away at it. And he started chiseling away at it until he had the statue of David. And when he was asked why he stopped, he said he, he chiseled away at everything that wasn't a masterpiece. So what God's asking us to do is not just stop today. Like you make a change because you heard a sermon this morning. God's saying every day wake up and continue to look and focus on me until you see me. He's like, you need to remove everything. Eliminate things that aren't the masterpiece. Instead of settling for good, settle for best. So Jesus, he modeled this. He had healthy rhythms in his life. When people wanted to hear more of him, he ran and prayed. He went and was still. It was the exact opposite response any of us would ever have. Jesus asked Martha to do something. I think it was pretty profound. She, he asked Martha to say no to ministry for a moment in serving and to sit and be centered and focused on him. That's what he was saying. She's got the good portion. Mary's got the good portion. So our pursuit of God and our neighbors is just a combination of service and reflection. It's both those things together. And when those are out of balance, when you do too much one or too much the other, then things are really going to struggle. And most of us have a predisposition. We, we decide we're more serving or we're more reflection, and that's what we do for our lives. So if we're going to serve our neighbors, though, we need to listen to them first. And if we're going to overcome this time obstacle in our lives, we need to start with time with God. It's, you got to start there. What, what were those myths I said earlier that I started with? Anyone remember that? Let's look at them in this context for a second. Someday things will settle down. We just need to get to blank. And then I'll have time for God and for my neighbors. Well, that's a myth. That'll never happen. Second one, more will be enough. With one more purchase or blank, then we'll be content and have time for God and our neighbors. That's why it's a myth, because we never get to something when these are in the way. It doesn't matter what it is. Even if you say, oh, when I get this, I'll do this, or whatever it is. Everybody lives like this. Well, no, they don't. There are people that choose God and their neighbors over everything else. So all these myths don't allow us to have time for service or reflection with God and our neighbors. It's just not going to happen. So when you leave today, are you more like Mary or Martha? Because Jesus said this specifically. Mary had chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. When, we're, when we reflect on God's word, it's not going to be taken away from us. When you listen to someone that's hurting, it's not going to be taken away from you. Mary spent time in reflection, listening to the word of God. And I know, because in scripture it shows many times where Mary, the same person, same character, she acted on what God was teaching her. So you have both service and reflection built in your weekly schedule? Because if you don't put it in your schedule, let's just, all bets are off. If something's not on my calendar, right, go back to technology, it doesn't happen. It's as if it never existed. Poof. It's not even there. 
So our pursuit of God and our neighbors is a combination of service and reflection. I, I've got a little illustration I want to show you guys this morning about this. Because we all have limited time. Some of us are more present with that than others. And some of you may have seen this before, but you have things like the sand. So this sand uh, represents the emails, the notifications. How many of you have notifications on your phone? Like seriously, let's see, see hands. Notifications. So how many times a day do you think those go off? Let's just, there's a lot, right? So that's not, that doesn't even really cover that much, okay? So then you have stuff like this. This is the manageable things that actually need to happen. Like, for example, it might mean, hey, I've got to go to the grocery store. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Stuff that's important but is manageable and stuff that you can, uh, you can do. Ooh, this is going to be fun. And you start filling up with that, right? And then these big rocks right here. These are bigger rocks. This is, hey, I'm going to spend time with God. I'm actually going to spend time with God. I'm going to focus on it. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to fit that in. Okay. All right. I'm actually going to listen to my neighbor that wants to talk to me about the fact that they really, really, really enjoy electrical work and talk about wiring. Oh, that's, I know, it's really exciting, but it's important because it's your neighbor. And then, hey, oh, I'm going to spend some time today praying. Okay. All right, and then you get to the point where you start putting these big rocks in and they don't fit clearly, right? And you spent your whole day checking email and responding to things that really don't matter. And then you filled the rest of your time with stuff that doesn't matter as much. You don't stop to talk to your kids because you're too worried about the other things that need to happen. But let's put it this way. So what if I do this? What if I put the big rocks first? That rock's huge, okay. So you put the big rocks in first, and you got time with God, you got time, time with your neighbors, you got time with your family, you start putting things in. So I got, I got some pretty big rocks in there. And then what you say is, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to then go to the grocery store. I'm going to make sure the first point in my day, ooh, that's really loud, watch out. Got to shake, shake this a little bit. So then you say, I'm going to go to the grocery store, and the last thing on, on the docket, the thing that will just get, get done, is all those emails. Now you look at this, and if you notice something, and if I shake this, this will actually go down even more. You notice how over here, we couldn't fit four rocks? We couldn't even fit the big rocks in. It doesn't even matter. And you go over here, and when you start filling your day with the first stuff, and honestly, that's what Jesus was telling Martha. It was so simple. Jesus was just saying, hey, am I first? Am I first? You're using your gifts, and I gave you those, but am I first? And instead, Jesus was somewhere like this. He was somewhere outside this. He's like hanging out over here. She doesn't have time for Jesus. And I think that's how we spend most of our days, because you get caught up in things. Those big rocks, the things that do matter, like Living your life serving God. Living your life reflecting on God's word. Living your life serving your neighbor and reflecting on what your neighbor is telling you about their lives. Listening to your neighbors. Those big rocks go by the wayside really quick. When those aren't a priority, they will never be a priority. So if we put the small things that don't matter first, we won't ever have time for the things that really do matter. We won't. 
Sometimes we need a lot less sand. Sometimes we need to put the sand last. And something I started doing after my sabbatical a couple years ago is I have tried, and, I, and again, the staff can attest that this doesn't always work out, is I check my email like really late in the day on purpose so that I write emails at the end of the day when I have no energy. So no offense if you get a reply from me, but because it doesn't matter nearly as much as interacting with you in person. It doesn't matter as much as my neighbor does and my relationship with Jesus Christ. None of that matters as much. Sometimes we need to take some small rocks out that really don't matter. My family's at a life stage where it's much easier to do grocery pickup than go through a grocery store. So why would we ever try to go through a grocery store anymore? There's sometimes you need to change your priorities with your time. So maybe God is calling you to give up something so you can make room for those big rocks, for, for more service and reflection. When you look at this, I think, I think Martha might have known her direct neighbor, but Martha really wasn't thinking about everybody else. She was like, I need to be a good host. I need to do this. I need to do that. Everything. Oh, I'm honored that he's here. And she was so caught up in that that she forgot to sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to do both of those. But they need to be in balance. What priorities in your life need to be changed? And what's it going to take for things to go from good to best? So as you leave today, I want you to ask these questions. This is something between you and God. This is not between you and the pastor or you and someone else. This is between you and God. You ask these questions. God, what's your heart for me? God, what is your heart for me? What's that next step that you desire me to take? And much like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, what is the main thing that you want me to focus on? What's that main thing? Those are the questions that you need to ask God. And the question you need to ask yourself is, what do you need more of in life, service or reflection? What, which one of those? So let's, let's try something this week. And I, I, I think this is great that it snowed today because this application is terrible for snow. But walk in your neighborhood. You know, there might be someone in your neighborhood where the snow actually stuck to their driveway. Go up to their driveway and snow shovel their driveway. Introduce yourself to neighbors that you see. You know, I actually was going to say, spend time raking leaves, but that's really hard. So you can rake someone's leaves. You got plenty of neighbors. I got a neighbor that blows my front yard and I work on my backyard. We work together. Let us all choose the good portion like Mary this morning because that cannot be taken away from us. That is focused on service and reflection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you and we admit we know that there are moments that we are missing out on, that your Holy Spirit are, is allowing us to, to serve you and serve our neighbors. We know that there's moments of reflection that we need to take 
that we need to be intentional about, both with you and our neighbors. God, we're missing out. A lot of us, we say, this is my time. And don't realize that every breath that we breathe has been given to us by you. Every moment that we have on this earth. God, thank you for for bringing your son Jesus, both to die on a cross for our sins, but also to have an interaction like this. To set the record straight. that we might have the good portion, those moments of reflection on your word, that time that we devote to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all this. Amen.